You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. We would like to give a big thanks to Chaos Kelly and Will Kennedy for our newest five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, what up, Blasco? I guess we've got pretty cool names, but think about the name Chaos Kelly. Like, how damn cool do you gotta be to have a name like that? that you have to be a DJ on an active rock station. Absolutely. And regardless of whether you got a cool name or hopefully you think your name is cool, nevertheless, we do appreciate the ratings and reviews and you guys spreading the word. Um, it is really nice. You know, I'm out in Los Angeles, Glasgow, and, uh, you know, going around town, having a lot of meetings and I keep hearing really good feedback on our podcast. So that comes from people spreading the word. So much appreciated to all of you out there in loyal listener land. And if you haven't done so, Head on over to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to these things. And um, yeah, give us a shout. Much appreciated. Nice. In the last episode, we chatted about avoiding common mistakes. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. Today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at rockabilia.com. Go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet. Use our code PCJabberJaw and get 15% off your entire order. You know, this episode's going to air on Monday, October 1st, which is really full into the Halloween season. It seems like it starts earlier and earlier, but I know, uh, you know, again, being out here, I'm so much more aware of things that are going on. You guys got your Universal Studios, Halloween Horror Nights, you got something at Six Flags, not Scary Farm, so it feels like you're already in the midst of it. That said, my boys at Rockabilia, I checked in with them last week, and they have tons and tons of Halloween-themed merchandise and items that are great for anything that you're trying to do. If you're just trying to, you know, up your wardrobe game going into the fall season, they got it for you, but if you're looking for specific items to be the coolest kid at whatever party you're headed to or when you go out trick-or-treating they've got that too um you know we talk about it each and every week they're great supporters of our podcast and this network so please head on over for any of those halloween related things also whatever else you might want they've got it most likely 500,000 plus items use that code pc jabberjaw for 15 percent off and don't hesitate to tell them blasco and mike's Today's episode is also sponsored by the cool kids over at bandzoogle.com, where you can build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Try it free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code MENTAL to get 
15% off the first year of your subscription. Yeah, man. Ben Zoogle is a great spot. They've been great supporters of this podcast as well. If you just want to have a little Halloween or, you know, horror theme pop-up website uh, for your band or any other entity, head on over there. They've got great deals and really make it easy to uh, build a website integrating all of the things that we use, you know, um, within our sphere for promotion. You can drag and drop, easy to build, customize and have, you know, all your social media in there, your band camp page, whatever it may be. Uh, They're cool kids. Uh, Dave Cool was nice enough to come in on one of our episodes, which was great. So go in the archives and look at those. But when you head to bandzoogle.com, use that code MENTAL. Again, Tom Blasco and Mike sent you. It makes us feel good when, uh, when they know you guys are coming there for the bus. Uh, this week, we talk about getting discovered in the digital age. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Oh yeah. Uh, so Mike, I, for this week, I ran across a post by a guy named Jeremy Young and, uh, the piece was on flypaper.com and it was titled five ways to help your music get discovered in the digital age. So, um, let's cruise through these, um, five ways that he suggests. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, good, good topic. I mean, it's exciting that, you know, once again, you're always able to find something cool and relevant. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of the stuff that we've covered is sometimes feels a little bit more traditional. This is a good one, you know, talking about everything in the digital age. Yeah, that's what, you know, because that's where we're living, man. You know, that's that's what we got to get hip to. So uh, uh, it starts off like this. Spotify's algorithmic innovation still may not be very good at that quirky randomness and personal subjectivity of peer-to-peer music discovery. But what it definitely does have is the ability to help listeners discover en masse. And if if you're an artist, you've got a better shot at reaching ripe global audiences now more than ever before. So here's some advice about what you can do as an artist to up your discoverability. Real quick, I just want to say, like, one of the things that I think a lot of people want to point out, especially, you know, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. We're, I don't know what the term is, but like we existed pre-digital age and now we're full on existing in the digital age. So we've got this overlap, you know, and I think we all hold on to this nostalgia of how great it was when you had the peer-to-peer music discovery, you know, and what I'll say is there's almost never going to be anything, whether it's a digital service or, you know, there's never just going to be a like one size fits all. Um, And I like to look at these things like Spotify as a great tool for me to get more than I was able to get in just a peer to peer capacity, but with the understanding that it's not going to be perfect. And, you know, that said, there's a lot of things that you can seek out, you know, your, your volume forever being one of them where I can go in and you are a peer and I can find stuff that, that you're curating. So I don't know. I just wanted to start it by, you know, indicating that to me, I think a lot of people, especially from our generation where we are in this crossover, if you will, you know, it's like, well, Spotify doesn't do everything. So I don't like it. And it's like, well, honestly, I'm okay with it doing what it does and me having to go to other places to get those other things. Yeah. Um, so number one, 
the community aspect is still important for listeners. Um, and he goes, when you release new music, try to make sure all the relevant information gets sent to Discogs and all music, but also use your various communication channels, social media, email, newsletters, your website, press releases, etc., to actively promote those connections and build links between these projects wherever possible. Now, so let me dive a little deeper into this. So what his point of all this is, is that in the analog days, you had liner notes and you had stuff that was attached to the CDs or the vinyl or whatever, right? So you could kind of dig through, you could see who the band thanked, you could see, you know, the the, the engineers and stuff. So there's all this relevant information um, related to the band. And nowadays in the Spotify age, um, there there isn't that. But people are still interested in in who helped you know construct you know this this piece of art, right? So I think what he's suggesting is to make sure that whenever you do that, to make sure that you still acknowledge all the people that did help with the record and put that on Discogs or all music and make sure to put it in the social media and acknowledge you know the artist, the engineer, the producer, et cetera, et cetera. Because he's saying that that builds a community of people that widens the scope of what this piece of art is, as opposed to just making it this digital thing that just lives on an app. No, totally. And, and, you know, my takeaway from this first point is something that we say all the time, you know, it's like meet, meet people where they are. And, you know, one of the frustrations in the digital age is there are so many channels, um, you know, that you've got to try to, uh, target in order to yeah meet people where they might be paying attention to things but you know i think we both would agree the wider the swath if done correctly yeah you're going to catch people in those places i did find it interesting i just was i was using spotify yesterday and was looking at a song and, and was trying to share it you know um onto socials and in their interface i realized that there's a place for song credits and so for instance i'm looking at you know the artist tooth grinder who i managed recently did a cover of the chain by Fleetwood Mac. And if I go in here, you know, it says who it's performed by, it indicates who it was written by, the producer was, and then even the source, which is in this case, the record label. There's no clickability on any of these people, um, but I would imagine things like that are going to continue to be built out. You know, they might partner with somebody like a Discogs or an All Music, where if it says, you know, Lindsey Buckingham is one of the people that's, you know, credited as a writer or Mick Fleetwood or Stevie Nicks, I could go in and click on them get to their pages where I can discover um, what you know else they did. So I think it's cool. More of that stuff is coming, but in the interim, yep, you got to put it anywhere and everywhere that you can. Totally. Uh, number two, platforms dictate differing listener behaviors. Use this to your advantage. Normally, your music appears on almost all of these platforms anyway, so this only really applies to when you upload certain music to certain platforms as a marketing and promoting strategy. So consider uploading to Bandcamp before Spotify and Apple Music because it incentivizes people to buy. On SoundCloud, tracks are very much isolated from album releases. They're regarded as singles or B-sides or works in progress. Use this to build a relationship with your audience and incentivize following you so as to get these exclusives before anyone else. Spotify is great for building a wide audience, showcasing public-facing PlayStations, 
and leveraging the similarities of your sound to artists much bigger than you so you can chase opportunities. So what he's saying is treat every platform for what the strengths of the platform is. So don't just put the same thing on all the same platforms. You know, with with Bandcamp, Bandcamp is really kind of based around more of a of an organic, you know, uh, build. Um, so you want to incentivize people to buy your merchandise through Bandcamp and really engage with you there. Whereas SoundCloud is really more singles driven, right? And 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 digital, and you know, building a community through there as singles. And then Spotify is clearly more album based, sharing based, playlisting things of that nature. Right. And so to engage with that platform the way that pitch strengths are. So that's what he's saying is don't treat every platform the same. Treat them for what their the strength of that platform is and you know do that accordingly. Yeah, which I think is really cool. And you know, for whatever reason I'm in this kind of mindset of, you know, how do I uh frame what's happening currently based on my experience of, you know, the way things existed for so long. And, you know, you probably remember uh, just as much as I do when you would have, you know, certain outlets, uh, physical outlets, whether they be chain stores or some of the smaller ones, um, you know, whether it's Target or Walmart or even a place like Newberry Comics, which is, you know, an avid music supporter from the Northeast. It's like, yeah, there would be different versions or, you know, at bonus tracks or, you know, certain specific things that went into those outlets based on, you know, consumer habits. And and even though this is a very different thing, it's still sort of the same. It's understanding where the audience is and training people to go there for whatever your intended outcome is. So I couldn't agree with, with this statement more. Yep. Number three, it pays to hustle. Why wouldn't you send your newest release out to everyone on your press list? You really never know. It could be the right moment, right place, right music. And all it takes is one journalist to explode your band. It pays to send your music out to everyone that might write about it. Yeah. Again, this just is reinforcing what we know. You know, it's like... (sighs) I I watch, I mean, I've had the fortunate pleasure of working with so many different artists and, you know, again, I have a lot of conversations and people will say, well, why didn't that band take off? And, you know, sometimes you think like, man, they were really a great band. And then you think back and you're like, well, they didn't have the hustle, you know, it left, they left the hustle to everyone else on their team. And you and I both know as good as we are at hustling, we can't make up for the artists themselves actually doing the work. So this may be the most important point in this entire article because hustle is is really the you know when you've got everything else or you're working close to to having everything else hustle is the one thing that every it's a great equalizer whoever hustles the most you know is the one who who's able to get their stuff into the ears of people so it can actually be judged and then if it's great usually you know turns out well and if it's not great well that feedback comes uh you know comes at that time (laughs) yeah and you know let's be clear that the you know the topic for today is discoverability so what we're talking about here is is you never know you know you never know who's going to be the one champion that pushes you over the top uh so you gotta consider you know sending it to everyone sometimes it may seem like not a right fit or whatever. Um, 
But, you know, I mean, you got to stay in your lane a bit. Obviously, if you're a metal band, you know, you don't need to send it to you know, country outlets or, you know, pop outlets necessarily. But I think that there's in, in the digital age, the one thing that I will say is the lines have blurred a lot and it's not, things aren't so genre specific anymore. And there's a lot of crossing over. So, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be so you know, one-sided or whatever, you can kind of take some liberties into going into other territories because like this guy's saying, you know, you never know who's going to be your champion. So, and, and we're talking about getting discovered and, you know, maybe you're that, maybe you end up being that one metal band that can play a Coachella because the right person thinks that you're hip enough to do so, you know, and we've seen that happen, you know, multiple times. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I think, you know, keep in mind when you're listening to this episode that we're, we're talking about discoverability. Um, number four, never stop playing shows. One of the best ways to reach new audiences is still today to get up in front of an audience and show them your best stuff. Pitch yourself as support for bigger bands touring through your city or put together a bill of artists that you're excited about. You might not get every opportunity you propose to venues or promoters, but just keep at it. Play live as much as you can, and people will start discovering you organically. Yeah, another great point. And, you know, one thing is I just, you know, I go through ebbs and flows in my life and my career, just like anyone else. And, you know, I think hearing no is is so hard and sometimes so, you know, it, it Certain people take it different ways. Certain, you know, certain people can use a no. They can use a hundred no's as motivation. Whereas other people, they've got their limit. You know, they've got their own tolerance before they just kind of give up. And how many stories, you know, have you and I heard of somebody where you're, you know, you're just like, man, how on earth did they keep going? How did they keep trying to play shows? How did they keep playing shows when there was only five or ten people there? And then. Just that one opportunity, that one person who discovered them, which you never would have thought was coming after doing it 100 times or 150 times, it does happen. And that's that pivotal point where things change. And so it's just, it's nice that this guy, I mean, really is making this a simple thing for, for our listeners and, and even for me. You know, I sit here and listen, I'm like, yep, never stop playing shows. Never stop asking to get on different types of shows. Even when that answer is no, 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 eventually it may become yes. And that may be the one thing that you needed to kind of, you know, really elevate uh, your career. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And look, I mean, you know, whenever we're taking all these things into consideration, you know, discovery, hustle, um, you know, in the live capacity, um, you know, no is one thing, right? Like you reach out to a promoter. No, you know, you reach out to an agent. No, you know, you, you're, you're not worth anything. It's like, man, like it's up to you to take that and spin it. And like you become the promoter, you become the agent, you make, you pull, you know, you find a bunch of bands that are similar in nature. You find a venue, you know, start booking, start creating your own community, start booking, you know, creating, creating your own scene. I mean, it's like at some point, like when do you stop waiting around for someone else to do something for you and take responsibility and take the initiative into your own hands? Plenty of bands have, have done this and have succeeded because of it. So, you know, I, 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 I you know, I kind of stand to reason it's like what I get out of this is where he says like, 
you know, put together a, a bill of artists that you're excited about. Yeah. And, and book it. And, and, and if there, no promoters into it, then become a promoter. You know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta, at some point as a developing artist, you have to take responsibility for yourself. And in this digital age that we're talking about of discovery, it's like, there really is no excuse. You do not need someone to do something for you in the digital age. Um, the final number five, tag, tag, taggity, tag, everything, <laughs> every tag, every blog post header, image caption, and every piece of off-repeated text you generate on the internet contributes to the building of an increasingly accurate picture of your musical project. You know, I would say, I would, I, I would say that kind of what he's getting at here is like, whenever, because we are living in the digital age, people do use hashtags to discover whatever it is, you know? And so it's important not to be it's important not to be just be kind of passive with your postings. Really kind of do some research on on um who you're you're tagging into the photos, what kind of hashtags you're using, how that's going to you know further get you in front of other eyeballs and stuff to where someone's going to stumble upon it and discover you. So that's what he's saying here. Yeah, and I don't spend a lot of time doing that at present. Um, maybe something I should do more of. So I, again, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast with you is I'm learning. You know, I think in the digital age, we're all learning and could stand to continue to learn and best educate ourselves to these practices. So we do have a chance to stand out. So um, I do tag things for sure. I don't always use the best practices, um, but yeah, I love it. One more reinforcement of you know behaviors that. If you're going to be doing things anyways, and you're going to be posting, you may as well, you know, try to make it so uh, it's working as best as it possibly can for you. Yeah, I mean, look, it's like social media nerd stuff, but you know, people that don't know and and maybe don't dive deep into into this is like understand that all the main social media outlets are built around algorithms, which means that not all of your fans see every post. Um, and so you have to, you have to hack the system and hashtags is one way um, of doing that. And I really encourage anyone that's, you know, motivated is, is to Google like best practices, um, uh, you know, on, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you know, best tagging posts is, you know, post Google, how to hack the, you know, social media algorithms. Um, you know, there's plant, there's a wealth of information out there. And, and once you get into it, you, you can kind of just turn it into a, a rhythm of how you do it. And, and the more that you do it, the more that you'll see like, Oh, in the morning, I get more engagement than whenever I post in that at nighttime. Um, or whatever, but you, 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 it's, it's a trial and error process of what works best for you because every artist and, and every fan base is, is, you know, operates on a different level. So you really need to get in there and start fiddling around because at the end of the day, man, we're talking about discover, discoverability in the digital age and you cannot escape the reality that this is the future of promoting your music and getting heard and getting discovered and you cannot dismiss it. You have to, you have to acknowledge that this is the world we're living in. And if you want to have a music career, you really need to do some, some homework on, 
how you're going to get seen. And, and, and I think that this episode is a, you know, is a good basis to build from and, you know, hopefully it motivates you, but you got to take this information and then dive deep on your own and really get in there and, and start the trial and error and get your music out there and get it in front of people that can be your fans and that you can convert in, you know, into people that are going to be with you, you know, for your career. So, uh, you know, whatever I'm, I'm babbling, but that, that's my, uh, no, I think it, no, I like it. I think it's cool. And I also think that it's, you know, now's the time to do it when you're growing your audience, it's the time to experiment. It's the time to fumble. If you make a mistake or, you know, you do something embarrassing, you know, it's much easier to brush that off when, you know, your audience is small than when it's massive. So, um, you know, as always, I think our encouragement is, you know, we're covering things and giving our perspective, um, you know, for you guys to have something more to think about than just what's written there. Um, but also to, you know, give you the encouragement to go out and, and put these things into practice. And of course, let us know how it goes, both successes and failures. You know, the nice thing is Bosco and I can can both relate to having had plenty of column A and plenty of column yeah well that concludes episode 87 thank you for tuning in we will be back here next week in the meantime you can find me on twitter and instagram at glasgow 1313 we encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askglasgow at gmail.com if you have listened this far Much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Just a huge, uh, you know, thanks to you for putting this episode together. All of you out there in loyal listener land can uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And if you're looking forward to taking your career a bit further, we have a coaching platform available, tools and courses available there. at rbcoaching.com. Uh, big shouts to both Bam Zubel and Rockabilia. You can use our codes um, <clears throat> to get 15% off. Tell them Blasco and Mike sent you. Head back to the beginning of this episode to hear those codes or find them in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got. Thanks a ton. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.